Welcome, friends, to Seattle Mennonite Church. It is so good to be joined with you this morning in worship, in prayer, in song, in encountering the risen Christ in the text and in word. Wherever we are gathered, wherever you may be, each one of us is on the lands of indigenous peoples, the first inhabitants of these many and beautiful lands. And here in Seattle proper, we are on the lands of the Duwamish people, a people who are still alive and thriving, our neighbors here in the city. Um, and in fact, they are so thriving that they're throwing a spring fling this weekend, a spring fling pop-up market, a native art market. Uh, just heard from Melanie that they were, they were there yesterday, got some sweet grass, perhaps among some other things. And it is um, happening today as well. They're open at the Longhouse until 7 p.m. So it's not too late if you have some opening this afternoon and would like to go visit the Duwamish at their Longhouse and support Native artists. Uh, it's a really wonderful opportunity to be in relationship with our neighbors. Ooh, and look at that sun I'm getting right now. <laughs> We are in Eastertide. We worshiped last Sunday on Easter Sunday morning, which means that today is the second Sunday of Easter. The season between Easter and Pentecost is called Eastertide. And during this season, we will encounter texts that um, share about post-resurrection experiences of Jesus. So the disciples experiencing Jesus after his resurrection. We will hear stories about the formation of the emerging Jesus following community and communities because the spread of this movement began to spread all over the Mediterranean region and eventually far beyond the Mediterranean. Today we hear a beloved and a familiar story of the walking along the road to Emmaus. It's a story of walking and talking, of mourning, beloved friend lost, reinterpreting the prophets and the scripture. It's a story of extending and receiving hospitality, of gathering around a table for a shared meal, of breaking and blessing bread. And it's a story of recognizing Jesus. I invite you into this time of worship with a call to worship. I will read the yellow print, and I invite you to join Amy in reading the red print. As we gather together in worship, may our ears be open. To hear the voice of God. May our eyes be open. To recognize the risen Christ. May our arms be open to extend and receive hospitality. May our minds be open. To the beauty of understanding. May our hearts burn within us for the risen Christ is present here among us. Christ is present indeed. Hallelujah and amen. Let us now sing together. Mm. Christ has arisen, hallelujah. Rejoice and praise him, hallelujah. For our Redeemer burst from the tomb, even in death dispelling its gloom. Let us sing praise to him with endless joy. Death's fearful sting he has come to destroy. Our sins forgiving, hallelujah. Christ has arisen, hallelujah. The angels said to them, do not fear. You look for Jesus who is not here. See for yourselves, the tomb is all bare. Only the grave clothes are lying there. Let us sing praise to him with endless joy. Death's fearful sting he 
to introduce to you a friend, a dear friend now, a pandemic savior, I would say. Uh, when we were emerging in this season of pandemic over a year ago now, and certain staff needed to take a break from working at GLA, there were a crowd of people that came to our aid and were drawn to the work and into the space of community, into the space of hospitality, and Grace was one of those. Uh, she can say more perhaps about where she came from, but I know the connection was through Lene, who's uh, a co-worker of Grace's mother at the university setting and how she heard about this work opportunity. I'm grateful for Grace, uh, her commitment, and grateful for Grace in that perhaps she has discovered a new sense of calling and purpose and giftedness. I've said to her often, she's a natural. And... Uh, yeah, just so grateful for all that she brings. She started at GLA and is now working at the Oaks and in that setting invited her to come and share a word with us, a snippet into community ministry this morning. Welcome, Grace. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much. Um, it's funny that you should say that I am a pandemic savior because I feel like Seattle Mennonite Church and Lake City Partners are my uh, pandemic saviors. I was, before this point, working in uh, theater. I worked at ACT Theater downtown, actually, in the ticket office, and the pandemic happened, and that was not a viable workplace anymore. Um, and yes, my Lene told my mom at work that uh, GLA was looking for people, and I needed something to do. And so that's where I ended up. And now it's been over a year and I've been perfectly delighted with this community and with the work. Um, and today I wanna share with y'all just a little bit of a project that I got to have kind of a front row seat for and a hand in a little bit at the Oaks, which we just opened. I'm sure you all know, it's very exciting. Um, I'm going to, at some point, attempt to screen share. I've never done that before, so we'll see how it works. Um, but uh, we basically were able to host an art gathering event thanks to a local artist, Billy King, who kind of came to Jonathan and Melanie with an idea that I had actually had. I had talked to um, my boss, Kevin, at the Oaks. I'm like, hey, could we get some art in these rooms? And then we kind of happened to um, meet, like basically Jonathan was telling me, oh, there's a local artist who kind of wants to fill these rooms with art. Um, and I was like, oh, I wanted to do that. So we connected and we were able to set up um, a Saturday where we just reached out to local artists. Billy has lots of great connections in the community. We're like, hey, if you want, come down, we'll give you a like grab and go lunch. Um, give us all of your pieces that you're kind of done with and would love to um, bring life to a new space. And we were actually able to get, I think 150 pieces of art that first weekend. And they've been trickling in really ever since. The last week I went and picked up some more from someone who just kind of got, got a set of art together to donate is really, really remarkable. Let's see if I can share my screen. Aha, here we go. I think I'm gonna be able to, this is basically 
contemplate the hallway after we got our first set of donations and each sort of probably five to six pieces of art deep. I wish I had gotten more pictures of them all hung up, but it has been really, really incredible just to see the, the outpouring from the community of support for this space. And it's always really nice to get some new community partners. I mean, I'm, I'm just kind of floored with the support that we've gotten from everyone. Now we have um, two pieces of art in every room that we, uh, we have someone staying in at the moment. We had some art installers, and I hope I don't butcher their names, but Mike Haskell and Patrice Demonbines came and just did their thing. They're curators and art installers, and they just they just made the building absolutely gorgeous. So if you ever swing by, you'll get to see their work and the outpouring of of love from the community. I could not be could not be more grateful. That's yeah. That's kind of the story of the art collection. <laughs> Thank you so much, Grace. It is great to have you with us sharing this good news story. We light our just peace candle every week when we gather, acknowledging that we both witness to and participate in God's vision of a just peace for all creation. And today I wanna to specifically lift up our artists and beauty makers and creators and those of you like Grace who have come to this work with a vision for creating not just a hospitable place, but a beautiful space for people to find sanctuary and refuge in, I'm going to lift up all these folks as our justice bearers and peacemakers. And together, we long for a just peace. We pray for a just peace. We choose to live for a just peace. Peace be with you all. And also with you. for our children's time this morning. I know how much um, children and adults alike were enjoying drawing along with the time with children. So when I thought about this, the scripture for this morning, we're going to hear it in just a minute, the story of the story of Jesus and his disciples on the road to Emmaus. And I was thinking about the disciples who were walking along the road and then later when they were at a table together, breaking bread. And the thing that got me thinking about was our hands and our feet. So just kind of like we did for Easter morning, I would invite all of you to share in the chat. Well, first of all, I'm going to trace around my hand, but if you have a piece of paper and a marker like me and would like to trace around your foot, you could do your foot or your hand, but I'm going to trace around my hand and I chose purple because it's nice and bright. Oh, I've got a little bump for my ring. So there's my hand. Fill that up. You know what? Since that's where my ring was, I'm going to just make my ring like that. Very fat ring. So there's my hand. Now, what I would like to invite all of you to do is think about the things that you do with your hands or that you do with your feet. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a little footprint with some little toes. So there's my foot, but you could do a foot and a hand, or you could do two hands. And I would like to invite all of you to think about the things that you are thankful for that you can do with your hands. And one of them we just did, this is the first one that I'm going to do. One of the things that I am grateful for that we can do with our hands 
is we can sign, oh, where's it? Good. Peace be with you. And we can say, me too. Peace be with you. So I, that's one of the things that I'm going to write. Peace be with you. And last, uh, last week we learned how to sign Alleluia. I'm not going to try to, I was thinking about, Pastor Megan is doing it. I was thinking about whether I could, whether I could uh, draw any of those signs, but I'm not sure if I could. I just realized, I don't know if I can see the chat. If people are chatting with me. Oh, there it is. So I'm ready to think about things that we're grateful for that we can do with our hands. Here's another one. This is one you can listen for it when we hear our scripture. We can share bread together. Here's my crusty loaf of bread. Some seeds on top. One of my favorite kinds of bread is the kind they make at Coffee Clash that has lots of seeds in it. And it's very, very crusty. Pastor Megan said, baking a pie. To share with friends. Oh my goodness. I saw Pastor Megan's pie. It was beautiful. I'm not going to be able to do it justice, but you know what? It looks something like this. Here it is. That's a pie. And then it had a beautiful crust on top. It was all latticed crisscrossed. That's what Pastor Megan did with her hands, shared pie with friends. Some of the things, now I'm thinking about my feet. Some of the things that I can do with my feet are jump and twist. Boaz likes to crawl. Right, crawl. Oh, you know what else we can do? Grace said we can pet our animals with our hands. I'm going to make a picture of my cat. His name is Alan. And he always looks a little bit angry, but he loves to get pets. This is Alan. He loves getting pets. Crosby and Ben like to jump and crawl. Of course. Oh, yes. Here, I'm going to put jumping here too. I like to jump and crawl. Holding grandkids, absolutely holding or holding hands with someone else that we love. You hold on to each other. Oh, those are some funny looking hands. Hugs are things that we do with our hands, their feet. Jean working on sailboats. What a wonderful thing to do with our hands. Oh, all the kinds of work that we can do with our hands. Working on sailboats. There's so many ways that we use our feet, our funny looking feet and our hands to tell each other we love each other. Oh, hold on, I need to get this one. Robin and Mike said play music. You know what, let's see if I can draw a guitar because that's what Mike does with his hands. Here we go. There's a guitar and we'll hear Robin and Mike playing and singing with their hands and their voices. What wonderful ways that we can use our hands and our feet. You know, the other thing we can do with our feet is dance. Speaking of music, we can dance with our feet. Your wiggly feet for dancing. Music. What wonderful ways that we can use our hands and feet together with each other. And I see piano, piano keyboard, and I see walking our, walking our pets and our puppies. You have so many good suggestions of how we use our hands and our feet. So in a minute, we're going to listen to Janet read the story of Jesus and his disciples. And when we hear the story of Jesus and his disciples, you can listen for how Jesus is using his hands and how together they're using their feet for walking along the road. 
A reading from the Gospel of Luke. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other as you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, For the word of God within us, thanks be to God. So we're going to sing um, on the journey to Emmaus, which is in our uh, sing the story songbook, but it does not, it does not appear in the new um, Voices Together hymnal. So this might be one of our last years singing this one. On the journey to Emmaus, with our hearts cold as stone, the one who would save us had left us alone. Then a stranger walks with us, and to our surprise, he opens our stories, and he opens And our hearts burned within 
going to begin preaching actually with a familiar one verse anyway of a familiar Easter hymn. So you're welcome to sing along and we'll get a chance to sing it all a little bit later. In the bulb there is a flower, in the seed an apple tree, in cocoons a hidden promise, butterflies will soon be free. In the cold and snow of winter, there's a spring that waits to be unrevealed until its season, something God alone can see. This is not a traditional choice for a favorite Easter hymn. Usually I think we think of, uh, you know, like Greg's trumpet playing and triumphant alleluias and fanfare for Easter, and this is not one of those, but it is one of my favorites for a couple of reasons. First, and maybe most intimately to me, this is, this is currently in the um, nighttime lullaby rotation, and so I always feel especially affectionate um, to some of those, <clears throat> to those hymns. In fact, I can't, I don't think I can get through singing um, Be Thou My Vision without crying. <laughs> Thinking about it makes me cry. So I, I feel very, I feel very fondly toward those songs. And for this one, especially when Ori was a baby, when I would sing it to him, he would stop crying. He was crying. This is one that stopped him from crying. Felt like a miracle. Uh, but I also like it uh, because it really, especially for this Sunday, as I was thinking about it, the imagery contained with, especially within this first verse is all about that potential energy that's inside the seed, that's inside the cocoon. It's about the DNA of remembering, about that's programmed into nature, that remembers what a caterpillar should become, or that that seed should become an apple tree, that the bulb will become a tulip. Those things that, are, that look nothing like the thing that they will become, somehow that's programmed into them. And that's that, and they emerge, but when you, in the initial seeing of the cocoon or the caterpillar, how could you imagine what the new thing will be? And it is still Eastertide, as Pastor Megan mentioned at the beginning of worship. And in these weeks following the resurrection of Jesus, we're hearing about Jesus' disciples after, after the time of death and resurrection, about how they, they're processing the, that whole experience that is really new, especially in the story we hear, um, how they're remembering that story and telling it to each other uh, in, the, in the newness, in the days after, and the, then in the months and in the years after, how are Jesus' disciples retelling and remembering those stories? So in this story, when we meet Cleopas and his companion, maybe his wife, maybe a friend, it is still really, really, really fresh. Like talk about the spring that waits to be, as we hear in the song. They don't, they have no idea what's going to emerge. 
from this, these days of death and maybe resurrection. They're, they're just reeling. They're grieving. Life is just all uncertain potential and they, they can't see their way through to what's next. I especially hear it when I, when I read this story. It's the, the words that, I, that sort of ring in my ears that speak to me of that grief are we had hoped. We had hoped. Are there any sadder words than those? The, the words speak of hopes dashed, hope that is no longer. And instead they're remembering a painful death, the disappearance of their friend's body from its grave, possibly, possibly his reappearance to the rest of their friends. These are new, these are new characters to us. We've never heard of these people before in the gospel of, of Luke, but it seems clear that they were intimate with Jesus. They were with the others. So we, we hear as they're telling to who we don't yet, who they don't yet, yet know is Jesus. There's some women from our group or the ones who were with us, they, they say when they're telling the story about the experience of the, of the empty tomb. But Jesus wasn't just their friend. He was their leader. He was the, their leader, the leader of this whole movement. And they had hoped, they had hoped that maybe he could be the one who could free them, who could loose them from occupation, who could deliver them into a new reality of nationhood. They had hoped that if now they were the seed they were the bulb, they would grow into something new, a new nation, a free people. And instead, they're just remembering scandal, a prophet whose death was the talk of Jerusalem. It's the kind of story that people would be asking, where were you when? And we can all think of those kinds of stories in our own reality. Where were you when Jesus died? And there's, so they're telling this story, recounting this story to the, the stranger who, who they welcome along the road with them. And piece by piece by piece, they put this story together. Now, I don't know if it's actually in the work, roots of the word remember, but I really like that in that word remember, are like re again and member like pieces, like uh, parts of a thing, members of something bigger. So they're remembering, literally putting this story back together piece by piece, making it whole again for each other. They're remembering for this companion of theirs on the road. And then the stranger does just the same thing for them. He remembers the biblical story, combing through the stories of the prophets and the promise, suggesting that maybe perhaps their hope is not in vain. They don't still quite see the whole picture, but it is pretty great use of dramatic irony by Luke, this delight that we, his readers, can see that it is Jesus, but Cleopas and his companion don't yet know it. And it's truly unrevealed until it's season, something only at this point God and we, the readers, can see. And then we reach the pivotal moment in the story. Jesus is about to go on ahead, or he acts like he does. Maybe it's a fake out. Maybe Jesus is just faking it. Maybe he's testing them. Maybe he really is planning to go on ahead to the next town to find more people to retell this story to. They could have let him keep going. They could have said, it was so nice to talk to you. Thank you for walking with us. We hope you will, we will see you on the road again soon. Uh, and, you know, he's been talking their ear off. They might have been tired of it. They could have just said, okay, nice to meet you. Thank you so much. They could have done that, but they did not. In their time with Jesus, not just on the road, but on the whole journey, their whole, the whole time through Jesus' ministry, the time they had been spending with him all the way along when they really knew that it was Jesus. In that whole time, they had seen Jesus sit down at tables with people. They'd watched him welcoming the strangers, the lepers, the children, women, enemies, scribes, Samaritans, Pharisees, all the times that he had, they had reclined at a table with him or sat in a field when he'd shared food eaten picnics by the side of lakes, 
all of those times had been implanted in them. Discipleship was being implanted in their DNA as Jesus followers, as his friends and disciples. The DNA of discipleship, the DNA of discipleship is welcoming the stranger. It is sheltering the unhoused. It is sharing a meal. The DNA of discipleship is hospitality and companionship. They still don't know it's Jesus until they eat together, but that DNA has been implanted in them. They don't know it with their brains, but they do know it in their hearts. We're not our hearts burning within us, they say. They don't know it in their brains, but they know it with their bodies. From months and years of practicing breaking bread and sharing tables and welcoming and hospitality, they know that is, that, that is the right move. It's the only move. So when Jesus keeps walking, of course, of course, they call him to share a table with them, to share the roof over their heads. But until he breaks bread, he's just a stranger. But finally, finally, all that remembering clicks into place when Jesus gives thanks for the bread and breaks it and gives it to them. The full picture is revealed, finally. That, that's when like that seed that has been planted becomes a blossom. I recently heard Marcus Samuelson, who's an Ethiopian-Swedish chef and restaurateur who lives here in the United States. Uh, he was talking about uh, food and cooking as ritual. That it's not about the recipe. I mean, it is sometimes. He admitted that, yes, we do follow recipes, but that so often cooking and food is about how our bodies move. What they, it's what they know to do with the ingredients because they've done it so many times before, because we've watched our mothers and our grandmothers in the kitchen, what to add and when to add it. Enact that enacting of bringing those things together, the remembering of ingredients again and again and again until they become a new thing. And the result is this is a delicious meal just out of repetition and practice. The disciples are enacting ritual when they sit at the table with Jesus. They don't think about it. They just do it because it's been programmed into them. It's part of them. When we celebrated Easter last week, it was the second time in a row that we met for Easter like this, that we had Easter on our Zoom screens. Our second annual Zoom Easter. Hopefully there is not a third annual Zoom Easter. We didn't sit together around tables and share Pascha and cinnamon rolls. We didn't get to sing loudly with each other and celebrate with our voices we caught a glimmer of hope, just a glimmer of hope. Even more than last year, this year, Easter felt like we were just in an in-between space. That we were like those disciples on the road, like resurrection has happened, but we can't, what, we don't know what the next thing is. Don't know what it looks like. We hear we hear celebrations of people getting vaccinated. We hear the possibility of gathering in a room together, but it still feels a little bit disappointing. We're still, we're, we're the cocoon and we don't, we don't know yet what will emerge. We're the butterfly goo right now. There's no telling what we will become. We're a little hopeful, but we can't quite see our way to what it looks like on the other side. But we do feel that hope. Some of us even feel eager, eager to get on with the next steps. And some of us are feeling the very real anxiety in our bodies at the idea and uncertainty of what does it mean to be close to another person? Can, can I even do that with my body? What does it mean to sing in a group of other people? It feels scary and uncertain as much as it feels joyful. God alone can see what life will look like as we emerge. 
as we dry our wings and learn how to move our bodies in a new way, in a way that looks different like, than it looked before. I am planting right now, I am planting my hope in the DNA of discipleship. Because we do know what discipleship is built on. We know that discipleship is built on compassion and care and justice and hospitality and empathy and welcome. We're going to have to treat each other tenderly in our bodies. And we also know that those things that we do with our bodies make us the church, the, the body of the church. We will keep coming to the table, but right now this is what the table looks like. The table looks very much like 49 little rectangles on a screen. And gradually that will start to change. But we will remember, we will have to remember what it means to be the body, to remember Jesus with us breaking bread. And then, like the disciples, we will be off and running. May it be so. hold that beautiful song for a moment the image the bulb becoming a flower taking a breath oh, take in another breath let it out with a sigh Whew. grateful to be with you this morning, celebrating the risen Christ. We have an opportunity uh, during our prayers to offer um, two responses. One is um, a response to the scripture and the other will be to add your prayers for yourself, for the world, for the community. The first opportunity uh, will be to add a word or phrase, noticing how has the presence of God been revealed in you, with you this past week, the disciples, 
didn't recognize Jesus during the hours of walking and talking together. It was only after Jesus broke and blessed the bread that they knew who he was. And looking back, they wondered together, were not our hearts burning within us? I invite you to look back over your past week to notice the presence of Christ with you. Did you notice any unexpected gift or grace or sign of life? In a word or phrase, I invite you to bear witness to what you where or how you've seen God. You can put that in the chat box. with the risen Christ. Sometimes it's only in looking back that we recall the experience of our hearts burning within us, that we remember a vague sense of something familiar and holy in our midst. Sometimes it's only in looking back that we see you, recognize you and know your companionship and presence with us through a difficult time. We bear witness this morning to the glimpses of you alive in our lives. Grateful for the comfort of singing together in the bulb. for the perseverance and compassion of teachers caring for students in the classroom. For the moment of sacred and unexpected vulnerability with one another. For the creative accounting and fundraising that Joy has experienced in her organizational stability, stability of her organization when most of the domestic violence and sexual assault organizations are facing really tough cuts. Noticing this scripture is Pete's favorite and for Weldon over the years that he has brought this forward again and again in, in sermon. As we are together alongside with family, praying for Jennifer's sister. with Jean Sloniker, with Dave and business partner, both helped Jean last evening as she had a low episode and forgot her phone on their boat. So Dave helped and was able to get went back to the boat to find her phone and bring it back at 10.30 at night. That's God's grace in action. So grateful. Watching the wildlife at Green Lake, the rabbits in our yard during springtime. Thank you, Lee. Risen Christ, Keep us alert in the coming week. May we wander, wonder at our internal stirrings and watch for your resurrected and life-giving presence with us. God of many paths, 
walking paths and breaking bread, hear our prayers. We pray for our black neighbors and friends, re-traumatized by the ongoing trial for the murder of George Floyd. Protect the spirits and bodies of your black beloveds, O oh God, from the violence of white supremacy. May your justice roll down like a mighty stream. Today, we lament the most recent assault on the Indian Child Welfare Act in a Texas court of appeals this past week. We hold in our prayers our friends at Nikwa who are angry and sad and burdened by having to once again take this legislation all the way to the Supreme Court. We long for Indigenous children to be able to stay within their communities and pray that your justice be done here on Turtle Island as it is in heaven. We grieve today with the family of Elle and Janet Berg as their brother-in-law, Larry Warkenton of Fresno, died of cancer this week. Larry composed many hymns in our blue worship book, including What Does the Lord Require of Us? He will be greatly missed. We are grateful that his memory can be carried forward in the music that he wrote. We give thanks for the good works of Sarah Augustine, having been appointed by the governor as the first indigenous woman to chair the redistricting council of the state of Washington. Give her the fortitude she will need to endure the toxicity of political maneuverings and give her a grounded sense of purpose and clarity and yes, God, even joy. May she be bolstered by our prayers for her and the support she receives from our community. We hold in our prayers the board and leadership of Lake City Partners Ending Homelessness as they respond to publicly aired critique this week. May these dear friends and partners of ours attend well to relationships where harm has been experienced. May Lake City Partners continue its commitment to building communities of equity and healing. May we bear good fruit. We hold Michael Bade in your light as he prepares for ablation surgery on his heart, which was rescheduled to Wednesday of this coming week. May this intervention be transformative to Michael's health and well being. We continue to pray for Darren, Madeline, and Melissa, and Grandma, Jerry as they continue to navigate health struggles. May Madeline's headache pain be eased, oh God, may it be completely removed. Grant her relief, we pray. We're grateful that Darren has come home after being in the ICU with pneumonia and that he is on a trajectory towards recovery. May he return to full health soon. Be with Melissa as she holds the family at this time. Continuing to pray in the chat box with Robin and Mike for relief from neurological problems that are getting in the way of Mike's knee rehab. We celebrate with Magnus and Annalena today for Magnus turning 14. Continue to pray for his seizures that they might diminish and stop altogether. All the years of his life he has suffered from those seizures. 
daily. For Mark and Annalena's anniversary today, 28 years, happy anniversary. For all other prayers unspoken, we hold them closely to ourselves in our hearts. Risen Christ, as you journeyed with the two who traveled the Emmaus Road, travel with us on our journey of faith. In our encounters on the way, give us compassion to listen to the other's story, patience to explain what may seem obvious to ourselves and courage to make ourselves vulnerable so that others may encounter you through us and we may rediscover you through them. Warm our hearts, Holy One, stir within us and among us. In your name we pray. Amen. We are grateful for the many gifts that each of you offers our congregation, that you offer to one another in the form of prayers and grocery trips and counsel and uh, sharing meals or dropping off meals. There's so much that we do for one another that holds this community together. And we are so grateful for all those many gifts. We are also grateful, of course, for gifts of uh, money and for the means to collect those monetary offerings digitally during this now more than a year of uh, meeting online. Our giving has not decreased during this pandemic and uh, we see that and we are grateful. Um, we know it's also, it comes from a place of our community being privileged and also being generous. And we are so grateful to be in a community of generosity. Let us join together in a hymn of sending, Go My Children on number 830 in your purple hymnals. Go my children with my blessing, Never alone, waking, sleeping, I am with you, you are my own. In my love's baptismal river, I have made you mine forever. Go, my children, with my blessing, you. receive this benediction. Friends, may the Christ who walks on wounded feet walk with you on the road. May the Christ who serves with wounded hands stretch out your hands to serve. May the Christ who loves with a wounded heart open your hearts to love. May you see the face of Christ in everyone you meet. And may everyone you meet 
see the face of Christ in you. Amen, and may it be so.